Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today, I'm going to cover The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. These are the first seven books from my 2021 reading list. I really enjoy reading books. This project is built around that love. But it's not just a love for the books themselves. My purpose for this reading project is to seek truth in the best books. This is not something new in my life. Uh, Nearly 20 years ago, a close friend of mine saw this pursuit in my life, and he bought me an embosser for my books. And this embosser, it's it's where you, you crunch it together on a page of the book, and it creates a seal. And on that seal, on the top, it says my name. And then on the bottom, he had Seeking Truth written in Latin. So each one of my books, if you open the front cover, I emboss each of them with this, with this message of Seeking Truth. And he identified that I wasn't just reading books, but I was seeking truth in what I was reading. That is one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. And, and I love having that in the front of each of my books. But here's what I mean by that. Have you ever wondered why there appears to be something past the movie, past the song, or past the work of art or the novel? You'll watch a movie and it will just wreck you. It'll stir your sense of adventure, awake a longing for love that you didn't know even existed in you, or it'll pierce your heart in a way that leaves you speechless. Why does it do that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why does it do that? If you've listened to this podcast before, you may have heard me mention the idea of having a hinge book. That's the book that all the other books in your library hinge upon. It's the book that got you started on your reading journey. For me, that book is The Sacred Romance by John Eldridge. I reread that book last year and I covered it in a podcast episode. I'll link to that in the the show notes. But Eldridge in that book, he, he provided language for these questions of why a piece of art can pierce the heart. I saw John Eldridge speak once and he would show, during that speech, he showed movie clips and he shared why those were so impactful. He'd read poetry and then provide context for what might be going on. And his premise was that the things that pierce the human heart point to a bigger story, a truer story, a larger story that we are a part of and may not even know. In fact, the stories that move our hearts are glimpses of the larger story of Jesus as an unexpected hero. It's a story of love, betrayal, pain, death, renewal, and life. It's the hero's journey, but with a single source to influence all the other stories that we know. So what that book made me do is want to dig into these other stories, these novels, and seek that truth. Now, that may, sim- that, that may sound extreme, extremely naive or childish, but that is the purpose that drives my reading. I'm not just seeking the book. I'm seeking the thing beyond the book. And Eldridge got a lot of his ideas from C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. Now, I know that's a long intro, but I wanted to try to capture what this author means to me and what this series of books means to me. Lewis has provided the language that has helped me make sense of the beauty around me. 
to want to go further in and to go further up, to provide, to provide a reason behind the art, behind the books, in a way, for those to not be an end of itself, for instance, to read a certain number of books, but to hunger after seeking this truth, these glimpses in the books. C.S. Lewis once said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. End quote. Let me put this another way by asking a question. Are fairy tales true? Are fairy tales true? Just think about that, and I'll let Lewis answer us later in the episode. So the Chronicles of Narnia... I am 40 years old, and this is the first time I've ever read the entire Narnia series. My parents bought me this series when I was a child, and in fact, the books that I read this time around were the ones that I've carried with me since I was a child, and I've just, I've never read them all. I've gone through this much of my life without having read the entire series. C.S. Lewis is my favorite author, and I had never gotten around to reading this whole series. So reading it for the first time was a true pleasure. It was a joy upon joy. Despite not having read the whole set, I had read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when I was a child and had seen the movie and just kind of uh, was always aware of the, of the story. It just it pops up a lot. And so I, I, I've known that story for most of my life. I remember taking the silver chair with me to school when I was in elementary school, and I would read it during our, our reading time. So some of these books I, I, I was slightly familiar with or, or a little more familiar with, but for the series as a whole, I was not familiar with, with all of the books. Now, to, to stir a little bit of controversy before I go further, I'd like you to know that I read them in the original order. So depending on how you buy these books, they will, they will either come in a set in the original order, or they will come in a set in the chronological order. So I read them in the original order. And that order is this. The first book in that, the original order would be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Then Prince Caspian, The Voyage of the Dawn Trader, The Silver Chair, The Horse and His Boy, The Magician's Nephew, and The Last Battle. If you read them in chronological order, you will start with The Magician's Nephew. I asked Jason, my podcast co-host on many of the earlier episodes, about the difference in why he suggests reading them in the original order. And this is what he said. The biggest re reason to read them in the original order is that you can always go back and read chronologically, but you can never unlearn the knowledge of the prequel and experience the wonder of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe on a virgin reading. In chronological order, there's no, oh, that's where that's from reactions as you read The Magician's Nephew. It would be like watching Star Wars for the first time starting in episode one. Secondly, the introduction to Narnia is in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There are lots of explanations of what's happening and about the parallel world, but if you start in the chronological order, you're thrust into that world with no introduction. End quote. So I'm, I'm glad I read it in, in this order. I really enjoyed The Magician's Nephew, but it, it did have that aha sense about it of, oh, this, this helps, this all makes sense. And so I, I think it makes it more magical to read it in this order. So if you have not read the series, I, I would suggest doing it in the original order of starting with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I think it'll be a much more magical experience for you if you, if you do it that way. 
Now, just to get into to some of the reading stats for this, uh, I, I, I track my reading. I, I like to do that just for personal curiosity, and then also just to give you an idea of how long it might take you to, to read certain books. So for this entire series, it took me 24 hours and 30 minutes. That was from January 1st through the 19th of this year, 2021. And it's it, the total of all seven books were, was uh, 1,422 pages. And so I was, I was reading about 69 pages per day. Now, these, these pages, are they go very quickly. So, you, I mean, you could get, I, I was reading about a page a minute. So you, you can fly through these, these books. The version that I read was the Collier Books Macmillan Publishing from 1970. And they are the white uh, paperback versions. And uh, I would post a lot on Instagram while I was reading these and, and had a lot of people comment back, oh, that's, that's the set I had when I, when I was a child. And so it, it, was, it was fun reading the, the set that I had uh, as a child. Now, what I'd like to do for the rest of this episode is to share an idea or two from each of the seven books of this series. I'll do that in the next segment. And then in the final segment, segment three, I'll share the one thing, my one key takeaway from the entire Chronicles of Narnia. I will then have my daughter join me, my six-year-old daughter, and I'll ask her a few questions. She's recently listened to the Narnia series, and so I want to get a true expert's opinion about this series. Lewis dedicates The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to Lucy Barfield, and he starts off with this. My dear Lucy, I wrote this story for you, but when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As a result, you are already too old for fairy tales, and by the time it is printed and bound, you will be older still. But someday, you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. End quote. In segment one, I talked about seeking truth in the best books. Well, in the Chronicles of Narnia, Lewis really lays it on. These books can be read as an adventure story, a fairy tale, or they can be read as an allegory of the Christian story. Lewis is not hiding it. It's, it's actually quite, quite clear. But in these stories, Lewis would help me look at something in a new light. And that's part of what I'll cover in each book here. So here it goes. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the first book... We have Lucy, Peter, Susan, and Edmund, and they are brother and sisters, and they enter a land called Narnia through a magic wardrobe. And in this land, there are talking animals, there's an evil witch, and there's this Christ-like lion called Aslan. Edmund, one of the brothers, gets suckered in with some Turkish delight and becomes willing to do the witch's bidding and become a traitor. The penalty for being a traitor is that the traitor belongs to the witch, and she has a right to kill that traitor. In fact, according to the law, if she doesn't get the blood for the traitor, all Narnia will perish in fire and water. Aslan goes to talk to the witch, and after they talk, she renounces the claim on his blood, on Edmund's blood. What happens is that Aslan makes a pact with the witch that he will allow the witch to kill him in, in Edmund's place, and that will appease the deep magic and the law. But there's something deeper still, and here's what Aslan says later. Though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still that she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back, into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. End quote. So Aslan 
had not committed treachery. And so he was able to be killed in Edmund's place in the traitor's stead. And by doing so, that would crack the table and death itself would start, start working backwards. And I just love that phrase of death working backwards. Just that, that thought of death itself working backwards. So that's the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Next up, the prince, uh, prince Caspian. And this gets into what I was saying in segment one of not reading books for, for the book's sake, but, but reading the book to get something past the book. And here's where Lewis really helps in my, my thinking of this and in, in, in even the language that I use to, to describe that. So there's this scene where Lucy is watching and, and the trees start dancing. And it says, she went fearlessly in among them, dancing herself as she leaped this way and that to avoid being run into by these huge partners. But she was only half interested in them. She wanted to get beyond them to something else. It was from beyond them that the dear voice had called, end quote. I love that. It just, she's got tree. I mean, can you imagine trees dancing and these trees are dancing with each other, but it's not, she was hearing something beyond those trees. She was hearing something beyond that beauty and she wanted to get beyond them to something else. It was from beyond them that the dear voice had called. Book three, The Voyage of the Dawn Trader. First, the first sentence of this book is amazing. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. That's the first sentence. That is, that's just awesome. Later on, they're, they're on this voyage, and, and the Dawn Trader is, is a ship. And they get to this island where dreams come true. And it kind of sounds like Disney, doesn't it? Just a uh, place where your dreams will come true. But it is a horror of horror of horrors. It, it's, it's the nightmares. It's the place where you, it's the dreams that you don't want to become true. And it's, it's just interesting to, to think of it that way. And, and there's a description of that feeling when you wake up from a nightmare and just that relief of knowing that it was a nightmare and it, it was not true. And they said, it's almost, uh, Lewis in the book says, it's almost worth, worth having that nightmare just to have that feeling of relief. But I just thought it was an interesting uh, way of, of, of this island. It sounds like the greatest thing, like where all your dreams are going to come true. But the people who are on the island, they're just, they're, they're saying, do not come, do not, do not come near here because you do not want your dreams to come true. You do not, these are not the kind of dreams that you want to come true. Number four, the silver chair. Jill in this story is given four signs and it's, it's, uh, I want to read what is said about these signs. Uh, so this is as Aslan giving her these signs and she's going to need to remember these as she goes on her adventure. Take great care that it does not confuse your mind and the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and paid no attention to appearances, end quote. I thought that was cool, just to, to learn a set of signs, or to learn a set of, of truths, and then to know that when you come across those in your life, it may not be how you think it's going to be, but to remember the signs, 
and to not pay attention to the appearances. Book five, The Horse and His Boy. There was a funny little tidbit here where, uh, well, I'm going to read it. Erevis immediately began sitting quite still and using a rather different tone and style from her usual usual one. For in, for in Callermen, storytelling, whether the stories are true or made up, is a thing you're taught, just as English boys and girls are taught essay writing. The difference is that people want to hear the stories, whereas I never heard of anyone who wanted to read the essays. End quote. I thought that was hilarious. We, why aren't we taught story storytelling in school? We're taught endlessly how to write essays and, and sentences and paragraphs, but uh, we're not ever really taught the art of storytelling. And that was an interesting observation. Number six, The Magician's Me- Nephew. This was my favorite of the series. This was my favorite book out of all seven. And I remember the first two chapters of this book. I, I don't remember after that, but I don't remember from where or when I would have read them. So that was kind of a neat experience. I don't, I don't know if it was like I recently read it to my daughter or if I, I read it when I was a kid, but it was a very vivid, I, like I knew, I knew everything that was happening. And then after the first two chapters, I didn't, I didn't remember anything. So at some point in my life, I'd read those, those first two chapters. I'm just going to pull one quote from this book. And here it goes. Very well, I'll go. But there's one thing I jolly well mean to say first. I didn't believe in magic till today. I see now it's real. Well, if it is, I suppose all the old fairy tales are more or less true. End quote. And that gets back into my my question in in segment one of, are fairy tales true? And and I, I just love this line. I suppose all the old fairy tales are more or less true. Book seven, The Last Battle. What a, what a picture in this book. At, at the very beginning, there is an ape and a donkey. And the ape controls the donkey, and they're walking around and they see a lion skin. And they pick it up, and the ape places it on the donkey. And when he does so, the donkey looks like the lion. He looks like Aslan. And... So they start going around saying that this is Aslan. This is the Christ-like figure. And they're going to use this lie for the purpose of getting things right in Narnia. Mind you, I'm reading this at the beginning of January, where there's a little bit of chaos going on in politics in the United States. And just this picture of somebody trying to put on a lion skin to appear like the great power in order to get things right in the land was was just an interesting thing. And I'll leave it at that. Now, at the end of the book, uh, let let me read let me read this and then and then I'll describe what I was thinking. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we loved old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. End quote. Now this ties in with, again, with what I was saying in, in segment one of, of seeking truth in the, in the best books. 
and and this is the reason that I love that that this stirs me. It's it's pointing to something else. And throughout the book, their uh, their point this this part points back to old Narnia of of the things that that they loved about old Nar- Narnia. The things they loved were pointing to something else. And and they get to that place at the end, and they realize that all the things that they loved were glimpses of the final thing, the, the, the deeper country. I love that picture. And, and it, again, it, it gives voice to what I mentioned in, in segment one and just a lot of what I've, I've thought about and, and my, my reason for this re- reading project and just how fun it is to seek after those glimpses, whether it's in books or, or music or art it gives a, a, a new joy to life to, to seek after those glimpses of something greater. Now into segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from the Chronicles of Narnia series. It comes in the fourth book, so almost uh, halfway through the, the entire series, and, and it's in the silver chair and it's just one sentence, but it's one sentence that, that stuck out to me. And it's a scene where Prince Caspian has has died, and he's kind of in an, an afterlife type of, of place, and Aslan is there with him. And Caspian says this, Sir, I've always wanted to have just one glimpse of their world. Is that wrong? And Aslan replies, You cannot want wrong things anymore, now that you have died, my son. You cannot want wrong things anymore. End quote. That is such a beautiful idea, and it sounds like true freedom where you're not burdened by wanting the wrong things anymore. You, you, you actually can't want the wrong things anymore. That just sounded like such a, a pleasant, a pleasant thing. And what a, what a piece to, to, uh, to your mind. Well, the 19 days that I spent reading these books were, were truly magical. I'm perhaps old enough now to begin uh, reading fairy tales again. I love how Lewis can just have you take a look at something in a completely new way. And he can draw your heartstrings by the beauty of the ideas, the landscapes, the adventures, and the, the story. So now I'm going to invite my, my daughter on and, and ask her a few questions. And I'm here with my daughter, Scotland, and she is six years old. I'm going to ask her about the Chronicles of Narnia. She's an expert, and she got to listen to all the books. And so here are a few questions for Scotland. Who is your favorite character? Aslan. Well, what what do you like about Aslan? Because I just like him. That's a good reason. Of all the characters, what what one was your favorite animal? Unicorn and Aslan. That's good. What was your favorite part of all of the stories that you heard? What was there any part that really stuck out to you that you really liked? The exciting part. Any exciting part that comes to mind? Uh, I don't know. No? All right. One final question for you. Are fairy tales true? No. What? Yes. <laughs> Why aren't they true? Because um, they have magic powers in them. Okay. And so that makes them not true? There's no magic? Well, 
Only God can do magic. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining the podcast. That was very exciting. And I'm glad you got to listen to Narnia. We kind of had a contest going there for a little bit of who would get who would get through the, the books and audio first. And we were neck and neck there for a little while. But uh, I'm glad you have been exposed to Narnia at a young age. And I hope you always read them throughout your life. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com to let me know what you thought of this episode or other ones. I'm also trying something new here, and it's a way that you can support the podcast. If you need a new book idea, I have an option for you. And we're going back to the old days. To do this option, you have to write me a letter and tell me about yourself. Tell me about some of the books you've read and where you would like to grow. If you include a check for $40, I will send you a book by mail that I think you will really enjoy. And if you want to do more books, you can do that. It's just $40 per book that that I recommend to you. And so if you want five books, send $200, that sort of things. But send a letter and then send a check. I have all the details on the website at booksoftitans.com. But I will get a book for you. I will in, inscribe it. I'll write a special note in there. I will emboss it. And then I will send you that book. And it's one I think you will really enjoy. I will not accept any offers over email, phone, carrier pigeon, smoke signal, only by snail mail. I think this is a really cool thing. I, I want to know more about you, the listener. And if I can help you find a, a great book, that would bring so much joy to me. And so that's, that's the new offer. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And the website is stock full of resources to help you find the best books and to create your own reading list. I'll be back in two weeks where I will be discussing the first book from the Robert Caro series about Lyndon B. Johnson. And that book is called The Path to Power. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.